This morning we read from uh, God's Word from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, and we'll read the whole chapter, verses 1 to 21. Exodus 3, 1 to 21. And as we read, before we read from God's word of Exodus 3, let's come to God in prayer. God, we are given your story of the Old and the New Testaments. And just as your people of Israel fit into that story, so do we. And as we read scripture this morning, may we have the assurance of your promises and your presence. And how you desire for each of us to be part of your story. The story of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So Exodus 3, verses 1 to 21. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 4, Moses said, here I am. But now we have, in verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, Well, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. 
And then you and the elders are go, to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over these past few months, uh, as a guide, we've been following the study book, Where Do I Come In? Joining God's Mission. And I don't want us to get sidetracked through this title, and even through today's sermon title, that it's all about us, and it's all about our work in missions. First and foremost, we started this series by saying that God is the initiator. God is the sending God. God is the God of missions. And he has given us the opportunity and responsibility to respond. After all, the word responsibility in our English language is made up of two words. Respond and ability. The ability to respond. As author of this study guide, Brian Keepers, he states, quote, The point of finding our unique role in God's story is never to draw attention to ourselves, but always to make our lives reflect the light of God's glory. You see, the attention and the glory goes to God. I think I've shared at times various parts of this, this story with you in the past, but again, I, as I read this story of Moses, I reflect back on my own calling into ministry. And this calling didn't happen overnight. And it changes from time to time. I had this nagging feeling upon me that this full-time ministry thing was something that I was being called to. And yet, I thought, well, I'm already involved in ministry areas in my local church. And not to mention doing ministry in my calling when I, when I was an accountant prior to uh, being a pastor. So I tried to say no to the Lord. I verbally expressed it to him out loud. The Holy Spirit within me continued to stir my heart. And that no that I was trying to say out loud and did say out loud became again a yes. And I think I mentioned before that Michelle and I were not on the same page with things. I was feeling that I was being called into ministry, but, but yet there was part of me saying that maybe not. And Michelle strong, strongly felt that I wasn't being called into ministry. Um, after all, a pastor's wife was not part of our marriage agreement. So our praying about this continued, and our discussion continued for three long years. And then it was a few years later, both Michelle and I then were being felt in a strong sense by the Holy Spirit that we were both being called into full-time ministry, and so I began seminary. I always enjoyed my calling as a self-employed accountant, and I enjoyed the financial rewards. I'm just being honest. But God had other plans for us. Go back to school for three more years to make less money. No, actually, go back to school for three more years to be obedient. (laughs) That's what it is. 
God is calling each of us one way or another. Perhaps in the full-time ministry in the church or maybe in another organization. And if we're not being called to full-time areas, we are being called to part-time areas of ministry in the church using our spiritual gifts that the Lord has graced us with. We're going to hear more about that later in this service under Beyond the Pew. Um, what do the deacons are going to come and speak about our spiritual gifts and where we can be plugged into the story of God's church. It is part of the church, it is part of the church body and those around us to determine together where do we fit into the story? Where do we fit into his story? In the book of Exodus, it's in chapter 2 where we're introduced to Moses. And actually not much information is given to us about Moses in these chapters. The first 80 years of Moses' life has been summarized in one chapter in the Bible. You might say, well, not quite the story, is it? Welcome back, guys. No teacher today? Okay, we'll work on that (laughs) for next week. As I said, the first 80 years of Moses' life has been summarized in one chapter in the Bible. In Exodus 2, we read about the birth of Moses. As an Israelite male, Moses was to be killed. Pharaoh uh, had the edict in all of the country that every Hebrew boy is to be drowned in the Nile River. And so there was much killing that was occurred in this this culture, in this society, among the Jewish people. And yet, by the grace of God, Moses is spared and raised in the courts of Pharaoh. He was born a Hebrew, Hebrew and raised an Egyptian. The story of Moses continues with Moses having grown up. And he sees this Egyptian and Hebrew, uh, these two people fighting. And so Moses gets involved and he ends up murdering the Egyptian. Well, Moses then busted by his fellow Israelites and they accuse him. They saw him of this. And so he flees, he runs away. And he ran away, and you got to think that he'd have this unsettling or discontentment in his heart. God is already stirring in Moses long before this burning bush incident. God surprises us with the people that he deals with. God is at work all those many years preparing Moses. Moses didn't have the right qualifications from a human viewpoint. But that didn't stop God from revealing himself to Moses and calling Moses to serve God as a leader to Israel. God made himself known to Moses through the miraculous event of this burning bush. And it's not that murdering an Egyptian was part of God's plan. God does not want, he despises killing. It's a sin. But God will still continue to use this. He will use the bad things that we've done. And he'll use them to his glory doesn't justify the bad. We're called to be obedient. But he will still use us as his people, sinful people redeemed by Jesus for his glory. So our theme this morning is where do we fit into this story? Our God is involved in world history for his redemptive work. How is God involved in our lives today? How is he ensuring that we are taking our role in his story? That we are being used to grow his kingdom here on this earth today? 
We are included in his overall work and his plan of redemption. God is using us for his kingdom potential. And you know what? It may take decades. Just like Moses. It may take decades for some of us to see how it all unfolds. So in Exodus 2, we begin the story of Moses' life. And God was at work those many years preparing Moses. Whether Moses knew it or not, he was part of God's story early on, even before the event of the burning bush. And today we look at this event as a model for what we can expect from when God includes us in his story. And I think as we do look at this story, I think we first have to jump towards the end of this passage and be reminded of who is the main character in this story. God reveals himself and reveals what he is like. God is the main character. And throughout scriptures, there are passages which allude to what we call a transcendent God. Transcendent God is a God that we may feel is way up there. That God is almighty, he's reigning on high. God is the God of the heavens and the earth. And God's transcendence means that he is above his creatures and he's distinguished from his creatures. That he is a God that appears to be unreachable, that appears to be beyond our limits in understanding. And you know what? All of this is true. But what is also true, not only about God's transcendence, but we also talk about God's imminence. And God's imminence means that he is near us. That he is a God that is within our limits. A God that we can understand. A God that we can come to know. He is a God whom we reflect because we are his image bearers. He is a God who is not removed, but he is imminent. He is near. Exodus 3, this passage that we've read, emphasizes the imminence of God, the nearness of God. In verses 7 to 8, God states that he has seen his people He has seen his people. He has heard his people. He is concerned. And in fact, God states, I have come down. God came down to rescue his people of Israel. And God's closeness to his people in this chapter of Exodus points us here today, points us forward to Jesus. Now, the birth of Jesus at this point in the story is centuries away, but today it points our attention to a God who sent his one and only son to come down to the earth to rescue his people from bondage, from slavery, of sin. Jesus came down in the physical presence. God's physical presence was through the word made flesh through Jesus Christ. John 1 verse 1. And today God is present among us. He is present among us through, his, through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us. In the Lord's Supper, we just celebrated that this morning. Jesus is present. We receive Jesus Christ into our hearts. That is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is present. God is personal. God reveals himself as one whom we can converse with and one whom we can trust He can enter into our experiences. He comforts us in our trials and he fills our hearts with joy. God is imminent. He is near. And he desires to include us in his story. 
God also reveals to himself, or rather he refers to himself as the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. This is mentioned a few times in this passage. And then in verse 14, God says this name to Moses. I am who I am. God is the I am. And that doesn't provide us a name for God as much as it speaks of a relationship. Again, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He has a relationship with the people who have gone before him. And now he's saying, I am. He's a relational God expressing his nearness to his people. I am refers to God always being present. I am. Not that I was or I will be. I am. God is always present with respect to his covenant relationship. And we see that again and again when we celebrate the sacraments in the church, the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. God's promises, God's faithfulness, God's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. The words I am are uttered here in in Exodus by God, but they're also uttered many times throughout the New Testament. Christ Jesus himself used these words when he said to his people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I'm the cup. I'm the light of the world. I'm the true vine. I am. God reveals himself to his people in the person of Jesus Christ. God desires for his people to be part of the amazing story of redemption and restoration. Again, in verses 7 to 10, God takes Moses into his confidence and shares what he has in mind to do. And God is shaping and preparing Moses. And and God is shaping and, and preparing a nation of Israel for a specific purpose. And you know what? It takes decades and centuries to shape this nation. And even us as a church, we've been around for some 60 some years And in every church, there is going to be periods of wilderness wandering, just like the Israelites, the church of Israel. Israelites had a period of wilderness wandering, and up and down as you read the book of Judges. But by faith, by faith we continue to be obedient and recognize how we, as individuals, but more importantly, how we, as the body, Exeter Christian Reformed Church, we form one part of a bigger picture of an unfolding story. God reveals a story and, is, and, he's, and he has plans to deliver his people from a cruel bondage. He delivers them from the suffering that they're going through. Now Moses isn't giving many details at all through this story by God. He has to go in faith. By faith. But he also goes knowing that the presence of God is with them. I am. And we go with that knowledge as well. We go forward in the unfolding story that God's presence is with us. And God not only delivers them from the place of evil, but he will bring them to a land of plenty. He will lead them to a land that what they call land flowing with milk and honey. But right now this land is inhabited by Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and Jebusites and all these otherites. And these people do not become obstacles for God. They may appear in our way, 
but they're not in God's way. And there's evil in the world today. And evil in the devil's powers are not obstacles for God. Again, they may appear as obstacles, and we will even use them at times as excuses for us to serve. But we cannot see them as preventing us from being part of God's story. God has plans of deliverance for us, his people. And these plans are made clear to us through his holy word, the scriptures. We are delivered from our sinful life through death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. We are delivered from our sins. And again, we were reminded of that through the Lord's Supper. And we we anticipate full deliverance when Christ comes again. God will lead us into the story of his new creation. Because God has not forgotten his people. God's plan of salvation and redemption is in full swing right before us. And he has revealed to us his plans through his word. Now, we, again, we might not have every detail before us. But in faith, we trust God's plan. And we live out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we reveal his glory through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. You see, God's desire is for us to respond. God's desire is for us to be transformed. Again, Moses was 80 years old, and he likely figured that he'd be spending some retirement years herding sheep for Jethro. But God opens up this new, whole new chapter in his life. Moses thought perhaps that his story, his, his book was going to end at chapter 80. But then God had chapter 81 written out and chapter 82 and 83 and continued on. Moses transforms from a sheep herder into leading God's people from oppression. You see how God can take this insignificant bush, ignite it, and turn it into a great miracle. And we're still talking about that great miracle today. And that's what God wants to do with Moses. Take an insignificant shepherd, ignite him, and transform him into a great leader and a deliverer. Pointing our attention also to another great leader and deliverer, Jesus Christ. As we read this story, Moses initially responds positively. The fire in the bush has sparked his curiosity, let alone a firing bush is speaking to him. So he offers himself to God by saying, yeah, here I am, here I am. Moses appears to be a willing volunteer to whatever's going on, whatever God has store for him. And then God commands Moses to go to Pharaoh and bring his people out of Egypt. I'm sending you to Pharaoh, God proposes this in a statement. He's not asking Moses, he's not saying this in a question format. It's a statement. This is what you're going to do. And Moses is called to be obedient. And he comes up now with several excuses to not be obedient. I don't think I can do this. Does that sound familiar at times? Our God challenges us to do things we never thought we would. We will say to God, just like Moses, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Take me. Use me. Well, okay, I'll come to church. But don't get me doing anything else. But God reminds us of his story of salvation. Reminds us that we are part of that story. More than just one hour on Sundays. So don't be surprised that God has plans. 
to use you. Because why wouldn't he? Some perhaps bigger roles than others. Not everyone will be a Moses. But when God calls us to be part of his story, be prepared to be used by him in ways that you just may not expect. Be open to where how the Spirit prompts us. And the Spirit's promptings might be at the age of 80 or older, and they might be at the age of 20 and younger, or anywhere in between. God doesn't discriminate by age. So let's keep our eyes open for that burning bush of opportunities within our church, within our communities, within God's kingdom here on earth today. Build margins into our daily routines and allow for opportunities. God will use these opportunities to reveal himself, not only to others, but also to us. He will reveal himself to us and his nearness, and he will continue to transform each of us and challenge each of us for his kingdom work. Today, God invites you into his presence. God has plans for your life, and he wants to include you in his story. So trust him and respond today to his salvation, to his invitation of grace. And together we say, amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for revealing your greatness and your presence to us. Thank you for Moses and the burning bush story and how you called him into your story of redemption. And thank you for calling each of us. Thank you for the story of your son, Jesus Christ, and how we can be included in that story of salvation. So help us to build in margins into our lives and to take the ability to respond to your gift of salvation and respond to you by loving you and loving your people and continue your transforming work in our lives through the power of your Holy Spirit of Jesus. Increase our faith, increase our boldness, and it's only in his name we pray. Amen.